From the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning, this is a special edition of Decal Download, COVID-19 Coronavirus in Georgia, and Decal's Response. I'm Chief Communications Officer Reg Griffin, here with Commissioner Amy Jacobs, and we have with us members of the Commissioner's Executive Team, Deputy Commissioner for Georgia's Pre-K Program and Instructional Support, Susan Adams, Deputy Commissioner for CAPS, Elizabeth Casper, Deputy Commissioner for Finance and Administration, Ryan Ringsrud, and from the the Child Care Services Division, Director of Policy and Enforcement, April Rogers. Commissioner, here at the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning, our top priority is always the health and safety of all children, their families, and the child care workforce. Governor Kemp calls this an unprecedented public health emergency. As Commissioner and as a parent, what are your thoughts? Well, I completely agree with that. We are dealing with a situation that we've never had to deal with in our nation, in our state in childcare in Georgia and so uh, we are working around the clock to figure out solutions and answers to a lot of questions that we've gotten um, and being as responsive as we possibly can and answering questions um, that we've never received before so um, we're doing the best we can to make the best decisions that we can. And this is one effort that we're trying to right. communicate on this podcast and to let folks know what's happening. First of all what is happening with our team at DECAL? I know the governor encouraged teleworking. So state government is open, business as usual. We are to continue normal operations as much as we possibly can as to not disrupt services for our customers. Um, the governor has asked whoever can telework to telework. Luckily, we do have a lot of folks that are already out in the field, so they're set up in their home offices. Uh, we do have two groups that just do not have that capability right now. So um, our folks that process criminal records checks do not have that capability to do that, so they are in the office. Uh, processing those as normal. We also have over a hundred scholarship administrative staff that work for CAPS that process CAPS uh, applications and they do not have that capability right now to work from home and so they are in our offices right now making sure they're continuing to process those applications. Um, also my entire executive team is we're in the office every day. Uh, we worked the entire weekend at our homes right. um, and we will continue to do that as needed but we're in the office every day because there's a lot of things we've got to respond to. And I think with those teams, CAPS and the criminal records uh, team, you're doing on kind of a, a different schedule so that there is not as many people. Right. At so one we're time. trying to help with the social distancing um, and not so much con not so much public comment uh, contact. Excuse me. And so um, Elizabeth and her team have worked out some some staffing schedules so that not all 100 will be here at the same time. Now our hope is that we can outfit them with equipment to take home, but their jobs are very complicated. They have a lot of systems that they have to access in order to process eligibility. And so we're hoping that will work because we want them to be safe as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, we're hoping that we can set them up and get them at home as well. I know and we might talk to Susan about this later, but I know we've canceled most of our training for the month of March. So uh, there's no danger to employees or others that would come in for that training. Well, this is a textbook example of a fluid situation, and we want to stamp this podcast with the day and date of Monday, March 16th, 2020, at 1.26 p.m. Everything we talk about here um, is going to be based on that point in time, and we know things can change. That's why we've created a new page on our website to document all our communications, including a list of frequently asked questions that are constantly uh, being updated every day as we move through these days and weeks. And uh, Commissioner, one of the questions is around the governor's message on March 12th to child care programs and public schools saying if you decide to close, 
The state will support that decision. This is not a mandate by the governor or by DECAL. That is correct. There is no mandate from the governor or from DECAL to close child care. And, of course, we don't have the authority to close local school systems, but the governor has given that authority to each and every local school system. Um, he's a big proponent of uh, local decision-making, and he's allowing them to do that um, based on the information they have for their community. I encourage everyone to talk to their local health department if they do have concerns. Uh, the Department of Public Health updates the numbers and the confirmed cases every day at noon on their website, which we will also link to. Um, but if you look at the map, um, it's not a statewide issue right now. Mm. Um, there could be many reasons for that. I'm not a medical professional at this point, but I do look at that map and I see there are some cases, a lot of cases in Metro Atlanta, but when you look around around the state, we don't have that confirmation yet. So to order a mandate at this point, I think might be a little bit premature, um, not to say that that might not be the case, but I do think the governor and DECAL would depend heavily on the CDC and the Department of Public Health to help us make that decision. And I think people see news coverage from other parts of the country. They see other states taking certain steps. Really, the best thing to do is to follow the Georgia governor's yes, office, right. as well as Department of Public Health and CDC. And CDC, right. Combined all that uh, together. One question we have seen repeated on social media, at what point would we make mandate closing child care programs. So, you know, like we've talked about from the beginning, this is um, an area that we, we don't know. We, we just don't know exactly what the right answer is to that question. Um, and we're not medical professionals in, in Georgia or at DECAL. And so we would depend heavily on the CDC. They could make that recommendation, the Department of Public Health, and then we would work very closely as we are now with our governor's office to make sure that we make the right decision. And then we would announce that as quickly of as course, possible. Of course, uh, yes. We want everybody to know. One of the top questions we're getting on social media is about pre-K teachers and assistant teachers in schools and programs who have closed due to COVID-19 and precautions around it. Susan, the big question, will they be paid? Sure. So, um, as the commissioner said, each um, program, so local school system, or a private childcare program that offers Georgia pre-K has the ability to make that decision if they'll close. Um, what we can mandate um, and that we've done is that payments for Georgia pre-K will roll and go out the same way as they always have, and that we um, are requiring that providers pay their Georgia pre-K teacher, lead and assistant teachers their salary, even if they're closed. Mm -hmm. Right now, we've done that for 10 school days, today um, and we may need to extend that um, but during those 10 days th those um, schools do not have to make up um, those days mm -hmm. and so we're trying to ensure that teachers um, have um, paid to them and that we're able to give those funds out to programs so, so that they're able to use those funds um, as they see as appropriate if they decide to keep their program closed or if they decide to close it. Right. I mean, open it. Keep it open. Right. And, okay. And that's been well received mm -hmm. uh, by a lot of our team in the field. And I know you probably heard from teachers and uh, directors as well. So, yes. Yeah, well. there's been a, a lot of emotion around it. Sure. Um, and we um, do want to make sure that um, we are giving information to programs to make the best decisions. Just like the commissioner said, they should look at the guidance from their um, 
Department of Public Health and their local um, humi- uh, local community health departments to make those decisions. What we want to do is make sure they have the funds available that if they need to send teachers home, if they're closing classrooms, that they're able to pay those teachers um, during that time. Elizabeth, we're also getting a lot of questions from providers who have CAP scholarships. So what has our decision been on will we continue to pay them? The short answer is yes. We are implementing emergency CAPS policies that basically it's a policy waiver. So some of our policies that direct that we can't pay when a program is closed are being waived. So if a program is closed, they are going to be allowed to bill us for any child who attended since March 1st that they have an active scholarship on. And there's a lot of specifics in our FAQs that, that you can look at to see the exact, um, I guess, even more further detail than what I just shared. Also, programs who uh, who are open, but not all the children are attending. Maybe a family is choosing to keep their child home because of um, having symptoms or maybe just because they want to keep their child home in this time. They also can bill for those children, too. So this has been um, right now enacted for two service weeks for the week of March the 16th and the week of March the 23rd. We will assess as that time comes to to a close, whether we need to extend this or whether that's sufficient. And we will be communicating with everybody as soon as those decisions are made. So following up on that, how will providers bill under those special circumstances? Um, providers are uh, accustomed in our billing portal to saying that a child attended. So we've gotten a lot of questions asking, how am I supposed to indicate that? Is there going to be a special process? The short answer um, is no, there's not going to be a special process. We are working diligently to put um, uh, something in place before providers bill for the 316 service week that would allow them to literally indicate if they're closed but are billing or if they have a child who's out but they're billing based on this circumstance. If we can get that up and running, we will. If not, they will bill as normal. You will not do a special invoice. You'll just indicate that the child is um, not, is present, even if they're not, and even if you're closed. And then on um, the records that they have to keep at the child care facility, so those are generally arrival and departure records or sign-in, sign-out forms, they would document on that form that the child was absent. Because when we go back and have to reconcile records, that's, that's a very important piece of that process. So that's how we would know um, even if the billing portal says something different. We want to make sure that there is no delay in payments to providers and this is the best way for us to do it if we can't get um, that option up that quickly. And we know many providers are now caring for school-aged children since a lot of local school systems have chosen to close and this is a very detailed question so I'm going to read it. So we've had a lot of providers ask us how they bill for those children since they may only have a before and after care scholarship how do they do that in the in the billing portal how do they ensure they have a full-time scholarship available to bill on mm-hmm that's a great question and so what a variable scholarship is is it's generally for a school-aged child is a good example where they have before and after care for part of the time when they um, are in the normal school year typically and then for vacations or summertime they would have a full-time certificate we load school calendars into our system in order for it to show the right uh, certificate at the right time or the right scholarship at the right time so what we're doing is 
We are updating those calendars based on school closures that are for school districts posted with the DOE website to allow a full-time scholarship to show for any program that's taken in um, school-age children right now so that they can be paid at the higher rate um, as they should be for the care that they're providing. So the good news is that's definitely um, being put in literally today and will be up by the time that they bill for those children. So they shouldn't worry. The proper scholarship should be showing. And if it's not, they can contact um, our payment agent, Maximus, and let them know, and we will fix the issue. All right. Very good. April, uh, I know Child Care Services sent out an email on Friday asking our child care programs who are closing to let us know. Uh, first of all, how is that process going, and uh, do you have an idea of how many are closing right now? Well, before the weekend, we asked that they reach out to their child care services consultant, which they did. Um, we've heard from a handful of providers, many are closed, but over the weekend, we worked to um, implement a new application, a new part of the application in DeKalkawala so um, providers can actually self-report their closure or if they're open to us, closing, uh, if they're closed or open. And so that actually went in yesterday about 7 p.m. Um, and we have a handful of providers that have used it and our child care consultants are busy entering the information that they received. And we plan to put that information on the COVID-19 piece of the DECAL website um, as we get more information. But through DECAL Koala, they can log in and then go to your facility update and then um, update the information there. And it's prominent, um, is highlighted on there. Um, we will add the ways to do this to the FAQs as well as share it on social media and such. Mm -hmm. And this will indicate when someone looks up a child care program, whether they're open or closed, Correct. based on the information we receive, obviously. Correct. So that'll be growing over time right, right. Uh, as we hear from people. Um, I think you had a question about social, oh, social distancing. Yeah. So I think we've already brought it up, but I'm going to ask April the hard question. How do you control that with young children? Any suggestion from our CCS expert? <laughs> it's hard for everybody. It's hard for <laughs> providers. It's hard for parents. Um, modeling is the best. I don't think we all have heard it enough. Hand wash, hand wash, hand wash, just hand wash repeatedly um, if they don't. Mm -hmm. so. Modeling is very modeling. important. So yes. mom and dad, teachers, everybody yes. need to be doing that. We keep hearing about the official song for properly washing our hands. Do we collectively all agree on what song that is? What? Yes. Happy birthday. Okay. Twice. Twice. Right. And Susan had some points on different ways of oh, washing Oh, yeah. Your hands. You're supposed to. There are lots of videos, but you're supposed to pray and, and um, you go back and forth. You're supposed to go between your fingers. You're supposed to go. Um, inside, outside. So Google, there's a lot of really fun little um, videos and songs that teach children um, how to do that. Make it fun and yes. they'll love doing it. So, and that's just soap and water yes. uh, Correct. when you're washing your hands. Yes. That's great. So Ryan, let's move to nutrition programs since we administer the CACFP and the summer food service program here at DECAL. Is there anything being done for those children whose schools have closed and they depend on them for meals? Yes, there is. Um, our nutrition services staff has been working very hard to make sure we're constantly communicating with USDA to make sure we can offer maximum flexibility to all institutions who serve meals. To that end, we've requested and received three waivers from USDA. Those waivers allow us to activate the summer food service program in the event of a school closure. They also allow us to serve meals in a non-congregate setting. So normally we serve meals in classrooms or other settings where children are congregating. This would allow us to do like to-go meals where the kids can come up and grab a meal and go. 
And the last one is to offer a little more flexibility around meal times. USDA has some strict rules about how long meal times are supposed to be and how much time has to pass in between meal times. And so that would waive all three of those requirements. We're also working on a fourth waiver request as well to try to get some of the monitoring requirements waived. The last thing we want is our staff or our other sponsors' staff going around from site to site or center to center spreading this virus. So hopefully we'll hear some good news on that soon. You know, you really have to think of this in a whole new way to the ordinary way that we do our business. And so I want folks to know we're definitely doing that at every level in every division. Um, Susan, since many public schools and universities have closed, we're hearing a lot about online learning. We know that screen time. And is that appropriate for pre-K and younger students? No. So um, as we think about um, things like digital learning days, um, we have looked at the guidance both from the American Academy of Pediatrics and the National Association for Educating Young Children. And bottom line is increased screen time is not good for young children. And screens include all those things, your phone, iPads, television, computers, laptops. Um, what AP, um, what the AAP recommends is no more than an hour for preschoolers. And then it's infants and infants up to um, 18 months, no screens at all. Mm. Um, so we won't be um, endorsing digital learning days. We will be posting a lot of resources online um, on our GELS website that will be linked from our main DECAL website about on uh, at-home learning, active learning, things to do. Um, I know that it will be really tempting and easy to turn on screens for young children during this time. And certainly we want to be realistic about what happens, but we certainly don't want to encourage that as an appropriate um, venue for educating very young children. And so we'll be offering alternatives um, for both um, families and then also for teachers. Mm, very good. So April, uh, we know with all, a lot of the local school systems um, are closing, some parents are still looking for childcare um, because they have to go to work for one reason or the other. So what's your advice on uh, for those parents on how to locate what is opened right now? So we suggest that they visit qualityrated.org and in the search engine that we have there, they can put in their zip code for their home or work or wherever they want to see childcare. And then the list of childcare facilities will come up and in there is it's very fancy search tool. They can say how far they want the childcare facilities to be. But then um, once they come up, you can click on each individual childcare. And as they report with what we implemented this weekend, um, they will be able to see if they are open or not um, through that, through each individual's um, childcare facility. All right. Very good. Well, we are very busy here, as you can tell, at the uh, Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning. I just want to thank each of you. I know I think we've all been talking through the weekend. Uh, this is Monday, and uh, it feels more like Thursday or <laughs> Wednesday. I'm not sure what day it is. But please thank your teams for all their hard work. We know many are teleworking, but many are still coming into the office and um, just want uh, to express our appreciation to all of them for the hard work they're doing. So thanks for being here today. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner, sadly, on March 9th, 2020, we were notified about the first teacher in a child care setting testing positive for COVID-19 coronavirus. This was a teacher at Child Care Network, number 316 
in Ackworth. Joining us from her offices in Columbus, Georgia, is Jamie Reckhammer, Vice President of Education and Quality with Child Care Network. Jamie, first of all, thanks for joining us on such short notice uh, today. Walk us through what happened with this teacher last week and uh, your response. So quite simply, we opened the doors at our school on Monday and soon after that received news that one of our teachers fell ill over the weekend and that she had been confirmed positive by health officials. So if you think back, even just two weeks ago, we were just learning about the virus and about what we needed to do. Um, We're still learning, in fact, learning new things every single day. But as we had been directed, I contacted the Cobb County Department of Public Health for guidance. They were incredibly great to work with, and they already had information about our teachers. So it was really reassuring to know that the local health officials, like the healthcare system, treating our teacher, and the public health agency, they were already in touch with one another. Um, The health department outlined really clearly for us how they were gonna take action. Um, They were gonna collect information from our teacher and then from our school. And with all of that information, try and sort out the level of exposure for everyone. There were really, really clear criteria for the levels of risk. And the most important was that direct contact. And um, that was described to us as being in close contact within six feet for 10 minutes or longer. So you're probably thinking um, in a childcare setting, that's a pretty tall order to sort out. Um, But we put our minds to doing just that. And um, considering that this was all new for everyone, we decided to proceed with caution. And so we closed the schools for all families and teachers for a couple days. Um, We just, we needed time. And in the meantime, we wanted everyone to feel safe and secure. So we immediately scheduled a local company to come in and disinfect the building um, because we didn't want to take any chances. Uh, here's a funny fact. Uh, the books in the language centers in childcare programs, they can't be disinfected um, with the cleaning procedures that this company was using. So all of our books are also in a 14-day quarantine. Um, but over the next uh, two days, we use teacher interviews and attendance sheets to determine which children and staff our confirmed teacher interacted with. Um, Please, please, please keep accurate attendance sheets. Um, Make sure that you list time in and time out for all staff and children. Make note anytime that a child transitions into a room um, other than their home room, like for gathering in the morning or in the afternoon, or if they happen to um, combine for nap time or something like that. Um, And always make notes about which teachers are in which classrooms throughout the day because these are gonna be really important details under the circumstances. And in order to assess these situations um, appropriately, you've really gotta be able to put together the picture of where were your teachers and where were your kids and who was interacting with who throughout the day. Um, But we we continued to work with the health department. We were able to make our best estimates about um, children and staff that had likely had close contact with the confirmed teacher. Um, And the health department advised us that those individuals um, would would be recommended for self-quarantine for 14 days. And the public health department reached out to each of those individuals to let them know that. 
There were also children and staff, though, that were ruled out as close contact. Um, when you triage that criteria, you come to a conclusion as to which individuals most likely interacted. And so um, as a result of that, we started making plans to reopen um, that school so that we could continue to serve and care for those kids and families. Um, and as important, our, our staff and families rely on their child care program for emotional support and for a sense of family. And so, you know, we, we also felt an extreme urgency to retor, restore a sense of no, normalcy um, for our kids and families and our staff. Um, and so it really was like figuring out a puzzle, you know, which teachers are available and which children are going to need care and how are we going to serve everyone best. But, you know, I think that's what we do in ECE, right? We solve problems. So we are thankfully um, planning to reopen um, that school today with limited hours and limited classrooms. Um, the available staff have rallied to come together to start the week, and by Thursday, we hope to be open um, in all of our classrooms for all ages. Well, that's great. I know y'all are all working um, to respond as quickly and safely as you possibly can. Of course, we are thinking about the teacher. Can you tell us how the teacher is doing? All reports from the school are that the teacher is recovering well. Um, I'm not able to share a ton of details, but those that have spoken to her have given me really positive news. Um, we, we know that this must have been an especially worrisome time for her and her loved ones. And so we, you know, are thinking of her all the time and just hoping um, that she is, is feeling so much better today. Jamie, what's been the response of the parents uh, in your program and the teachers? Gosh, as you would expect, parents and teachers, you know, they have questions. There's just so much information coming from all directions. It's really hard to know what to read and what to act on first. So it is important that we decide from the very start where our most reliable guidance was coming from. And for us, public health and DECAL were the two guiding agencies that we turned to. Public health made recommendations about how we could act in the best interest of our children and families. And DECAL reassured us and supported us along the way as we navigated um, each and every decision one by one. Most importantly, I think though, parents and teachers need information about how they should take care of themselves and their loved ones, right? Um, our teachers also were worried about their children and their colleagues and wanted to hear how everyone was doing. So it was hard to know what information we could share. Um, we wanted to be respectful of the teacher herself, of course, um, and also of the children and teachers who may have been in contact with her. So we, we really relied on public health to guide us here as well. Um, I think in every case, it's important for us to remember that no matter what, we are all going to be between a rock and a hard place when it comes to having information and sharing it. Um, sometimes the details and reactions are like literally changing hour by hour. And as everyone learns more about this virus, at the end of the day, I think that knowing the facts and planning for how we will react to future potential exposure is what parents and teachers seem to really want to know. Um, so we revisit our plan every day um, in light of new guidance that's released every day and hope that the choices that we are making are the right ones in the moment. But I really can't say enough um, how important it is to be compassionate and empathetic 
um, to everyone in these circumstances. We're all going through this together and everyone is having to um, just take in information and, and process it and, and figure out what the next step is. And so um, although we want information and we want action and we want decisions really quickly, sometimes it, they just can't be made. Um, and so given everyone grace around that, I think is one of the things that our community in early childhood is best at. And I think that um, this is really going to showcase and shine a light on, you know, the, the real warmth and, and connection that we have in early childhood. And how are you explaining all of this to the children? Gosh, there are so many resources out there for kiddos. Um, all of the leading health organizations have resources. The World Health Organization and the CDC. Um, just over the weekend, I saw so many um, pop up in my Facebook feed and in my Insta groups. Um, so, you know, social media is a great place to go right now because we are all, like I said before, in this together. And so everyone is really rallying to bring resources um, to our community. I've noticed that there are resources out there for every age group. There are resources out there for every learning style. So we've found videos and we have found infographics and we have found articles and you know, sooner than later, I'm sure we're going to see audiobooks pop up so that we can read about um, the experiences that children or families are having right now. So really would encourage everybody to keep their eye out on those. Um, and, and I'm more than happy to share um, the things that we have located and cataloged with anyone who would like more information. We also know that our teachers have great relationships with their kids, and so we've reminded teachers that consistency and routine are more important than ever today, that they just have to keep doing all the great things that they do every day, you know, enriching learning experiences, songs and smiles, and warm, loving interactions, lots of active playtime outside, you know, I mean, talk about, you know, using nature to solve all of our ills, but also you know, we need time to decompress. Kids need to run around. Teachers need to run around. And, uh, and of course, washing hands all day long. <laughs> um, as I've heard so many times in the last few weeks, the child care community has been practicing for something like this, right? We are the world's leading experts in hand washing. Um, so we've, we've really just, um, from a, a perspective related to our, our kids and teachers in the classrooms, we've tried to keep... Uh, all systems go and, and just continue with their normal engagement and their normal routines and their normal learning experiences while we really focus on health, safety, and sanitation, um, but also really focusing on that wellness piece and understanding that this is a stressful time and that uh, the best thing that we can do is, is uh, you know, keep people close and watch out for their hearts and, and make sure that we're doing everything that we can um, for kids and families to feel safe. Great advice for all of us in talking with our kids. Um, you closed for the entire week um, after this happened. What advice would you have to any program that may experience this? So get your communication plan ready now. This is um, maybe the best piece of advice that I can give you. 
uh, update all of your emergency contact information for families and staff. Make sure that you have an email address for everyone. And if somebody doesn't have an email address, help them create a free email account on the spot. Hook them up with Hotmail, hook them up with Gmail, hook, the, hook them up with iCloud, whatever it takes, right? Um, because in times like these, we all need a quick and reliable digital communication channel. It's really, really important. Um, also, I would recommend that we start creating good communication habits now. So send an email with good news and cute pictures and stress relievers on a daily basis to your families and to your staff. So they get used to hearing from you this way. Um, sure, absolutely share coronavirus resources, especially when you find something particularly suitable to young children and families. Um, but, but I guess for me, I am being inundated with news about coronavirus from every angle, personal, professional, and otherwise. And so I think that, you know, we in early childhood, our childcare programs have always been a source of love and learning and fun. And we don't want to let that get lost in, um, in this circumstance. Well, Jamie, we know that disinfecting um, is a big part of preventing the spread of COVID-19, but we're also hearing from a lot of programs that are having problems finding Lysol and other types of disinfectant-type products. Have your centers experienced this? Yeah, we, we are having problems. Um, well, I wouldn't say we're having problems. We just are definitely aware that uh, Lysol and cleaning products, um, they are definitely in hot demand. And um, I don't have an easy solution. I can tell you what we've done. So we have been in touch with um, some local vendors as well as some of the larger national vendors. And you know they've told us there are shortages everywhere. But I think that it's important for us to be assertive when we make calls like this and remind the person on the other end of the phone of the work that we do every day and the fact that we are providing essential services for kids and families um, and that we have a, a responsibility um, to provide a healthy, safe environment for these guys and that keeping our kids in safe in a childcare environment is supporting all the work of everyone else. And so I would, you know, definitely make a case when you make that phone call um, and talk to them. What can they do? Can they put some inventory aside for you? Can they um, ship you a bulk order and bill you over three months? Because, um, you know, not everybody has a whole lot of money up front to make a big purchase. And even if you do, you probably don't have storage for a big purchase because we've got kids in every nook and cranny in our programs. So I would say that uh, it, getting ahead of that, um, not only getting ahead of your health and sanitation, but also, you know, check your food orders as we um, are going to see lots of fluctuation in attendance. Um, try and monitor that closely um, to be sure that you're um, that you are managing your food inventory really well I would um, also watch that inventory in your building you know make sure that um, there's not a whole lot going to waste and uh, it seems small um, uh, that we would do something like that but we don't know how long we're going to be in this situation and we want to be prepared and ready for the long term and so if we know that there are shortages in products, then we need to be sure that we are really, really efficiently and using the products that we have. You know, the last thing I would say is that the guidance tells us that soap and water is the number one best defense and that frequency really does matter. So 
don't try and lose your mind over fancy products. Um, keep it really simple and consistent like we do every single day in early ed. It's a brand new week. Uh, however, COVID-19 is uh, still out there, still a challenge for everyone. What are your plans for this week? My plans are to keep working with our schools and our public health agencies um, to just stay on top of any new information um, so that I can be you know, an advisor to our schools on the very best possible steps in every circumstance. It's a big task for any one individual to take on though. And so I really, really do appreciate DECAL and the many resources that you guys have provided for the ECE community. I also suggest that this is the time to activate your um, personal and professional networks. So divide and conquer and work with other ECE providers in the community to share information and share resources. Um, gosh, share strength and wisdom, right? We're learning lessons every day and we need to be really, really willing and uh, to share those lessons um, with our neighbor down the street. <laughs> and and then don't forget to share your stress because we have a huge job to do for our kids and families and we can't do it well if we don't pay attention to our own wellness too. Thanks again to Jamie Reckhammer, Vice President of Education and Quality with Child Care Network. And Commissioner, I know you've said they really did play it right by the book in terms of what they did in their response. Contacted the health department immediately really went with their advice through it all. They really did a great job, especially, I mean, this was, you know, um, a very early case of COVID-19 in Georgia, and it just happened to impact child care. And uh, they did a fantastic job of, for, of course, contact your local health department first. I believe, from what I've been told, their health department did um, a very comprehensive contact investigation to help them make the right decision about closure. And Jamie did a great job of keeping us informed. And we've learned a lot about that so that we can share that uh, with other child care programs if that had to happen somewhere else. Yeah, hoping we don't. Right, but of course not. Wow, what a lot to learn. Yep. And, uh, you know, if initially they were going to close for a couple of days, and then they contacted us and said, you know what, we're going to go the full week. We're going to get a deep cleaning of the building. Um, so kudos uh, to Child Care Network, and thank you to Jamie for coming on and sharing with us today. As we wrap up, um, we have heard from the CDC and the Georgia Department of Public Health that COVID-19 outbreaks in young children are uncommon and severe symptoms are rare in children. Even so, I know you're encouraging everyone listening to prevent the spread of illness and uh, stay alert for any signs of illness in their children. Absolutely. You know, that is what we're hearing, that it's not dangerous in children, but especially as you think about child care, there are adults caring for these children. And so, you know, I would say that child care is probably more prepared than any other industry. They are always disinfecting. They are always washing their hands children and teachers and mm -hmm. so they just need to make sure they pay attention to that um, to make sure that they, ma they maintain um, a healthy environment in their programs and if they feel sick stay home that's I think that's important. every time I talk to the Department of Public Health this is what should I tell people if you feel sick stay home mm -hmm. we know this is a particular danger to elderly citizens senior adults I know a lot of folks don't like that term elderly but you know probably what 60 65 I think and, that's the CDC's guidance right in north of there um, and I guess you know we think about grandparents and I know they don't want to be separated from their children their young learners for long uh, but it's really important to try to keep that distance absolutely and hopefully hopefully this is just a temporary situation where we need to, to practice that social distancing and just be more aware of disinfecting and hygiene practices and 
and maybe even a little over paranoid. Mm-hmm. Um, just just a little bit, just for a few weeks. Yeah, just for safety. Uh, and we mentioned earlier, just encouraging the good health practices, appropriate hand washing, covering your cough or your sneeze with a tissue, throwing that tissue away. And I think that's changed. You know, mm. we've always been told cough, sneeze in your elbow. Yeah. But when we talked to the Department of Public Health, they said they have changed that. It's now you need to do it in a tissue and throw it away. And yeah. so that's actually an important change to note that their guidance has changed on that. Some new information. That's right. Disinfecting surface is obviously very important. And as we continue to respond to COVID-19 coronavirus in Georgia, we will post all our communications. In fact, we're doing it right now. We thought we would start it today. We actually started it over the weekend on a special page on our website. And we really appreciate your patience and understanding as we work through the many questions and issues related to this public health threat. We really have to work on this together. Yes, we're responding to a situation that is unknown to us and uh, it's changing every day. And so please check back to our website on a daily basis as we continue to update everything. Best sources for your information, our website, the governor's office, Georgia Department of Public Health, and of course the CDC. And if there's anything you don't hear covered there, because there's always gonna be specific questions and we appreciate those because it helps us in our planning to know what topics and concerns are out there. We have an email set up, it's childcareservices at decal.ga.gov. That's childcareservices at decal.ga.gov. Well, Commissioner, uh, stay well. Let's continue you to work. You too, you too, as we're working <laughs> right. 24-7. Right? right, exactly. Keep working on it. Uh, our partners, never more important than now, and we want to thank our child care advocates. We talked with them this morning. We're planning a webinar later in this week that you'll be hearing more about. Uh, it's time to come together and uh, make this, uh, hopefully, uh, pass as quickly as possible. Absolutely. All right, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining us for this special edition of Decal Download coronavirus and our response in Georgia. Have a great day.